Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning. Monday, November 15th, 2021. This is Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director, Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is our weekly economic and market commentary as we get to the midpoint of the fourth quarter and near the end of a really great year for investors, 2021. Uh, as a reminder, you can follow me intro week on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. Also, of course, this is available as a podcast on all your favorite podcast formats, the name of which is Slaying Bulls and Bears. The presentation you're about to see and or hear is designed to be used uh, by either investors or financial advisors, each of whom, though, are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything here is for informational purposes only. Well, we had a very modest and mild down week, but emerging markets uh, were inversely correlated. You can see emerging markets up almost uh, one and three quarters percent, while everything from the S&P 500 to the EFI index was down. Still, double digit returns pretty much across the board for equity market indices with the exception of emerging markets which have been flirting with flat to negative to positive pretty much all year round. After a drop in yields and some inflation data that was worse than expected, uh, the bond market began to sell off a little bit. I am actually quite surprised at the stubbornness of the bond market, meaning as being as resilient as it has been, given the obvious uptick in inflation that we're seeing. Still down three quarters of a percent last week in the ag, the longer dated treasury index down 142 and high yield was down, but I think that was more in sympathy with equities than anything else. Let's get into the economic data because I think it's really important to see what we see here. Um, despite you know, massive demand, massive earnings, optimism at both the business level and the consumer level is going lower. That's never a great sign. In October, the NFIB Small Business Optimism Index dropped again, 98.2. It's the lowest reading for future conditions since November of 2012. Why? Supply chain issues. We need parts. We need things. Inventory shortages. Hiring challenges. Uh, we have, uh, despite the booming economy, the op job openings, and uh, wage increases, we're still having a very difficult time getting people off of the sidelines and back into the labor forces. It was a record number of businesses saying they could not fill their vacancies, even after a very high number said they boosted wages. What's the culprit here? Well, it's inflation. Uh, if you go back, you know, what did we do? We shut down an economy but then we gave everybody money. We created massive amounts of demand and restricted supply. That is the recipe for inflation. Too much money chasing too few goods and services. Now 
We're trying to reopen the world economy. And we're finding that shutting it down was, uh, it was not as easy as shutting it down. You can't just turn a switch back on. We know there are record numbers of ships out at US ports. There was a 60 minutes uh, story about it last, uh, just last night. I encourage you to go back and watch that. I thought that was pretty well done. Anyway, uh, we're gonna stick with Gerald Ford for a while, but Gerald Ford said whip inflation. Now you can see the little button. October producer price index was up six tenths of a percent. It's now up 8.6 year over year, backing out the food and energy and looking at the core, we're at 6.8% year over year. Um, that's the red. And you can see the green dashed line is the Fed's 2% target. Now the Fed said transitory. They said, well, we've had a lot of years where it was below. And that's true. You can see down here in 2015, et cetera, like that, we had, you know, we had some below. We had it again during the recession in 2020 because of the COVID shutdown. But this more than makes up for that period of being below. And I believe the Fed is now getting closer and closer to potentially a policy mistake. We also got the CPI uh, last week and in the October CPI was expected to be up six tenths. It was up a whopping nine tenths, 6.2% year over year and the core backing up food and energy 4.6, also well above expectations and well above that too. So you can see here, one of the things the Fed's been trying to do is change people's expectations about inflation for years. We were fighting deflationary forces and deflationary pressures going back all the way to 2008. Take a look at this next graph, this graph of US break-even rates. Just to re-familiarize you, break-evens are the yield of the say 10-year treasury minus the yield of the 10-year TIP, Treasury Inflation Protected Security. The TIP always has less of a nominal yield because they have a true up payment based on how CPI actually comes in. So that difference between the two, we call it the break even. And they have been literally surging, hockey sticking up here. And if you think about this from 2020, a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago, where the gray line here, which is the two-year break-even, was actually minus 1%. It's gone to 3.4% almost in just over a year and a half. That is unheard of and an unprecedented move. It really has to do with very poor fiscal policy decisions, very poor monetary policy decisions. Now, I've not said very poor before, but the reality is we are way behind the curve in hiking rates, and that is causing this uh, surge in uh, inflation, also helping to cause the surge in our portfolio values and our home values. So we're benefiting, those of us that own real estate, those of us that own stocks and investments, we're benefiting from it. Who's paying the price? People with very conservative fixed income portfolios who are seeing their bond portfolio say down two or 3% and that add in the 4% inflation, you're having a very significant erosion in your wealth. It results in a transfer. It's a transfer of wealth from savers who are also called lenders to borrowers, people that use leverage to buy real estate, that use leverage to buy stocks or that use leverage to run a country. The US treasury is the most indebted entity in the world. They benefit substantially from inflation. The Federal Reserve is not supposed to take that into consideration. The Federal Reserve is independent. 
It's run by an independent board of directors. It's made up by member banks. It does not report to the U.S. Treasury. But the head of the U.S. Treasury is Janet Yellen. She's a former head of the Federal Reserve. She has tremendous respect, pull, and sway with the employees, the board members, and the staff at the U.S. Federal Reserve. I believe, I believe that at this point, that the Fed has now made a policy mistake, needs to raise rates, and will likely, at some point soon, bow to political pressure to do so, rather than wait till late 2022, as a lot of uh, market pundits are suggesting. These break-even rates right now, 2.7 for the 10-year, the orange 3.1 for the five-year, and the two-year at 3.4. These numbers need to start coming down. The Fed needs to be more aggressive at talking about inflation. Last week, the Bank of England met. 90% of the bets in the market, the positioning in the marketplace, the futures on short-term rates in the UK were that they would hike. In fact, they didn't. This is, a, this is dovish for too long, as the market participants would say. Okay, back to uh, the US, initial jobless claims uh, for the prior week came in at 267,000. That's a really good number. It shows a strong labor market. Uh, and when you take the fact that California, which is 12% of the US population, is still accounting for more than 20% of those claims, more than 20% of those claims, 57,000 claims in California alone, it tells you that the labor market is extremely tight. Uh, continuing claims rose uh, just a little bit. Really, that's, I would almost call that unchanged. We also heard from wholesalers about their inventories and they, were, they are continuing to be willing to grow those inventories. They rose 1.4%, that's above expectations. Sales rebounded 1.1% after a decline in August. So solid confidence there about the demand. It's such a weird economy. We don't have a demand problem. We have a, we have a supply problem and it's very serious. It's very serious. That usually doesn't result in a, in a recession it results in inflation, and that is what we're seeing. Okay, back to jobs for a minute. The JOLTS report, or job openings, fell a little bit from 10.6 to 10.4. Still an extraordinarily high number. And within that report, we get the quits rate. We saw 4.4 million, or 3% of all workers, quit their job. Some of this has to do with uh, vaccine requirements. People are holding fast to their particular belief that they don't want to take a vaccine. That, uh, that rate is the highest we've seen in over 20 years. Still, with a booming economy, 6.5 million people got jobs. So that's part of the reason they're moving too, not just because maybe they don't want to follow a vaccine mandate. They might be moving for just more money, better opportunities, more flexibility. I want to work from home, et cetera. Still, 49% of small businesses in the survey said they're having trouble filling positions even after enticing people with higher wages. There are now 1.4 job openings for every unemployed person in the country. So, so far, that hasn't impacted S&P or Russell 2000 or any margins or earnings. In fact, margins were up a little bit in the quarter. Earning expectations rose for the future, month, future 12 months ahead. But consumers aren't happy at all. This is the, uh, whoop, pardon me here. This is the um, consumer sentiment reading from the University of Michigan. 
fell from seven, almost 72 to about 66.7. That's quite a drop off from a year ago. So normally consumers see the markets going higher. They're very happy. Jobs are plentiful. They're happy. Uh, yet consumer sentiment is at a 10 year low and why inflation and shortages. They're very fearful about the price of everything. The, um, the, the clearest manifestation is the price of gasoline. I saw five, 60 here in San Diego yesterday. Uh, I was in uh, Tennessee last week. We were at 360, a couple places I looked. Um, so it's inflation is causing consumers to be very concerned about their future. It's the price of food. It's the price of energy. Necessities are really causing that. Despite that, record earnings uh, in the S&P 500, 81% of the companies that have reported, that's 374 out of 460, have beaten expectations, uh, and they've beaten by a lot, about a 9% earnings upside surprise. That goes everywhere from kind of flat in utilities to big gains in things like financials and energy. Higher prices of energy are leading, of course, to higher profits. We've got plenty of economic data this week, and we're still getting uh, some earnings, but we're getting a lot of small cap earnings uh, as well. Uh, Empire State Manufacturing Survey, I already know, blew past that 22 number this morning. Uh, tomorrow, we've got retail sales, import and export prices, capacity utilization, production, business inventories, housing sentiment. Wednesday, housing starts of permits. Thursday, jobless claims. And Philly Fed, that's likely to go much higher since Empire State went much higher. And then nothing on Friday. Really, in my, in my view, the biggest impact going forward here is when, when does the Fed respond? Now, I think they've made a policy mistake. The market doesn't. The market thought they'd made a policy mistake. I don't think the markets would be as strong as they are right now. So I have to recognize that. I still think it might come. I still think it might come in the coming months when the Fed says, ooh, okay, tapering is not enough. We need to taper faster and we need to raise rates a little bit. Now, just because the Fed's raising rates doesn't mean the market rallies over. Typically, you have about an 18-month surge or 18-month continuation after they begin to raise rates. But if they're raising rates aggressively to get a hold of inflation, then I think you could see a pullback in the market at that time. Not ready to make a big move just yet, but I am concerned about a policy mistake. Okay, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, you can get us as a podcast, Slaying Bulls and Bears. I thank you as always, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.